Welcome back to another Commitment Issues podcast. I'm Rob Cassidy, joined as always by my co-host, Woody Womack. Here we are again. Uh, another episode will lead, I guess, with, with Twitter, right? I mean, that seems to be all the rage in the recruiting world is Tate Martell, uh, quarterback committed to Texas A&M for a long time, decommits from Texas A&M. Texas A&M assistant coach uh, shows off his subtweet game a little bit, ends up getting reprimanded by Kevin Sumlin over Twitter. They lose another commit because of it. Uh, and, you know, it, it sends ripples through the recruiting world, if you will. What's your take on the whole situation? What do you think it's overblown a bit? Well, first, let's 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 make it clear that I predicted everything would happen so well that uh, with Tate Martell decommitting that it happened before we could even get last week's podcast uh, out on the market. So we actually had to do some creative editing. Uh, so number one, score one for me on that front. Number two, I, the whole, th- the whole situation is ridiculous because, you know, typical, uh, what did our cohort, uh, Adam Friedman say, call rec- recruiting, uh, newspaper media or what I can remember what he said. I think he, he referred to them as dinosaurs. Yeah, the dinosaurs in the, in the dying newspaper industry. Uh, as it was once, <laughs> as it was once referred to, um, yeah. they, they kind of check in and they, all they see is the kid decommitted. Now, when you and I covered, I mean, you and I both covered recruiting kind of from a, from a long distance when we worked at newspapers and I had no idea that, you know, schools dropped kids or what I did. I just, I guess I just didn't know that happened. So in the case of Martell, as I said last week, he was going to decommit. They didn't want him. I mean, uh, you know, Adam Gorney, another one of our coworkers, uh, he had a story on it, talking to Martel's dad and said, once they hired Mazzoni, the writing was on the wall. So that happened. So, so the, the, the national media says, this kid, this kid dumped Texas A&M and this coach was upset about it. Well, I mean, I, I think they knew that he was leaving. So that's, that's what kind of makes me wonder, was his, you know, was his tweet directed at at Martell, or did he already know about the four-star receiver who was going to decommit? That 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 was my question. So, anyway, it was a perfect storm of you know the dinosaurs have nothing to talk about this time of year because nothing's going on. Tate Martell seems to move the needle every year. We have these certain guys who just really like no matter what. It was Sam Bruce last year. Whatever you write about them, people people are going to pay attention to. So it all goes down. I I think the coach, you know, take it from me. Someone I sub I've been known to subtweet uh, recruits myself, you know, of course I'm very immature um, and I'm not a college football coach, but it was probably a stupid thing to do. But do I think it's really going to have that big of impact? I don't think so. I, you know, Mart- Martel is a, a polarizing figure among recruits. I think some guys like him. I think there's a lot of other people that don't like him though. I mean, I think I had another quarterback uh, send me a message this week and say, you know, when are you guys going to start talking about two-star Tate? So, uh, I think it's an interesting story, but I think it's uh, I think it's been a little bit overblown just because of the perfect storm of the circumstances. You know, and to kind of make this a big picture thing, it's not so much about coaches subtweeting or players subtweeting or fights between players and coaches over social media. This thing wouldn't have been blown up as big, regardless of if he knew Martel was leaving or if he knew about the other receiver that was going to decommit. If coaches weren't just so lame on Twitter, everything is, you know, about loyalty and grit and heart and, you know, what this means. And it's just like, I know these coaches in real life, this isn't who they are. They're like playing this 
they're playing a character, a coach character from a TV drama on Twitter. It's like they they feel like they need to conform to some like pop culture stereotype of what a coach is, you know, a leader of men. But if you get them away from Twitter, they're just regular people that understand that what they're saying is insane and that uh, this loyalty act that they put up or whatever and that everything's not all about heart and grit and hustle and eating nails and crap and lightning and, you know, all those every other coach cliche in the world. If they would just stop being losers on Twitter, this whole thing would have been avoided. Right. I think, yeah, exactly. I mean, you're not going to... First of all, the, the ki- they think they're teaching lessons to the kids, and they're not. I mean, the kids don't care, unfortunately. I mean, you know, I think of how, how much of a have a little smart ass. I guess I can say ass on this show. Uh, I hope so. Even though we have a clean rating on iTunes, but I don't want to jeopardize that. You, mean, <laughs> you know what you can't say uh, is referring to an American horror story. Well, let's not even – don't even don't even reference it. Speaking <laughs> yeah. of Texas A&M. But, uh, you know – the the kids are all smartasses. They they make fun of everyone all the time, nonstop, including you, me, coaches, their parents, their teachers. So it's just how it is. It's just what you're when you're a teenager. That's what you do. You make fun of people all the time, nonstop. So, um, you know. So who is this bravado? This coaching character that these guys play on Twitter. Who is it for? It's for other high school coaches and stuff like that. That's who it's for. It's all it's all a coach, you know, a circle of people patting each other on the back. <laughs> yeah, I would like to get a coach, and you know, we have coaches on this podcast from time to time. I'd like to get somebody on here to break kayfabe and just admit that. All right, yeah, it's all a weird act, and I don't know why I do it. Well, that'll <laughs> yeah, I mean, never happen. Nobody will say that. I, you know, they're, they're, I mean, I've I've had coaches tell me off the record that it's all insane. Uh, we just need them on this podcast saying it. I mean, it's just – anybody that doesn't see through it, I mean, do you really think these coaches are walking around giving pep talks all day and talking like that? Uh, I don't know. I, you're talk, You're asking the wrong person. I mean, I I, 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 mean, <laughs> I've, I got in a lot of trouble when I was in high school as a football player when we would have our emotional team leader get a, give a speech and I would get up and go to the bathroom or whatever. So I'm not the guy <laughs> – I'm not the guy uh, – you know, that gets fired up at that type of thing. But I've seen it, you know, I've seen it work in locker rooms and stuff like that. But Twitter, definitely not. Uh, not the- Sure. No, it's one thing for a locker room if you're trying to inspire your team or whatever before a game. But I mean, I just can't see somebody reading some coach tweet about, you know, loyalty or grit and walking away from their keyboard being like, man, I'm real inspired today. I'm going to lift weights harder than ever because I read this assistant coach's tweet telling me that work in the weight room wins championships. All right. So, so you and Nick will talk later about uh, some of the, the Texas options for Texas A&M a quarterback uh, during the Texas roundup. You and I can, can speculate a little bit here. Uh, one name that popped up, of course, Mac Jones has to be connected to every school in the country. It seems like they offered him this week. Uh, and then also Chase Bryce, I know, uh, they're doing some work behind the scenes on him who's committed to Clemson. So two, two previous podcast guests, all of a sudden getting heavy interest from the Aggies. Maybe we have some fans down there in college station. Uh, well, let's start with Jones. What do you think? I mean, is he going to give them a look at all? Yeah, I think he'll visit. I mean, he, he's kind of gone back and I don't, I don't think Mac understood the scope of his recruitment when he set out on this thing. Um, I don't think that he knew that he was going to end up with so many offers. He committed to Kentucky early. Uh, the reason I say I don't think he knew that he was going to get so many offers is not because of the commitment, but because, you know, he's taken all these visits. He said at first he was going to visit every school that offered him. Well, that has become impossible. There are just too many schools. 
Then he visits Kentucky as a great visit after he's already been committed, reaffirms his commitment and says, I'm not taking any more visits. Now more offers come in and he's going to have to go back on that because he's already talking about visiting A&M. I saw somebody write a story saying he was going to check it out. I think there are some other schools he wants to visit. So I think he's going to take a look around and I would too if I was him. I mean, if you're a Kentucky fan, I don't think you can be upset with the kid for wanting to check out his options and especially when it comes official visit time to take the free trips. If somebody's paying for me to you know, get on an airplane and go check out some campuses, I'm, I'm heading directly there <laughs> no, no matter what my commitment status is. So, you know, what we said in the beginning, Kentucky's going to have to work to hang on and that has never changed. Uh, there's, I think everybody kind of expected a couple months ago that this ball would get rolling with Mac Jones and it has, uh, and now a and going to come calling and those facilities are nice. And you know, it's an sec school as is Kentucky. Uh, but there's definitely a different kind of football culture in college station that I think might speak to Mac. We'll see what happens when he visits. Uh, you know, I, I can't read his mind. Well, it's interesting for the, it, it just, it stinks to kind of be a quarterback because if Texas A&M has a bad year this year, there's a chance Kevin Sumlin is on the way out. Um, and you know, if Kentucky has a good season, I think, you know, even if they just get to a bowl game, you can assume that the coaching staff there is kind of firmly entrenched. So unfortunately he doesn't have the luxury of waiting that long. I I don't think, you know, he's going to flip schools late in the process and leave somebody holding the bag. So that's, that's kind of a, a situation to watch. Uh, as far as Bryce, a guy from my region, you know, he's, he's stated that he's firmly committed to Texas A&M. I do, or not Texas A&M, Clemson, excuse me. Uh, but I do think he's going to take a look at, at Texas A&M. He's, he's, I don't know if, I wouldn't say he's looking around, but uh, it's a classic back channels situation. I think there's some feelers out. It's a real NBA coaching situation where. Look, man, everybody is looking around. In, <laughs> I mean, unless they're signed. Uh, you know, I always, I want to liken this to baseball. Like when, when people are like, that guy is untradeable. Well, there's no such thing as untradeable. Like everybody has a price, right? So everybody is always open to options. It's just depending on the right option, right? Nobody is so committed to a school where if, you know, the perfect situation arose or, you know, some under the table deal was going to pay them $2 million that they wouldn't uh, jump ship. I mean, there's always a sweeter pot somewhere, right? Right, exactly. Well, speaking of uh, going elsewhere, looking for sweeter pots, uh, Michigan, of course, in the news, as always, seems like every week we've got uh, Michigan story on here. This time they're going to do a satellite camp in Australia, I guess, is the is the word, or maybe go yeah. try to find some Australian rules football players that maybe want to give it a shot, uh, maybe some punters, etc. cetera. Uh, the extreme southeast. Right. <laughs> the South Pacific. <laughs> what, what, what was, uh, you know, I guess what was your take on that? I, I'm sure you, you might have paid a little bit of attention more than me. I kind of just rolled my eyes when I saw it. What do you think? Yeah, they're going to do it in early June in Australia. And I think it's a different – I think you and I are so cynical. And, you know, that's not a surprise to anybody that's listening. That we've kind of made fun of the satellite camps as – not really made fun of them, but pointed out what they are. And that's marketing schemes. They're not really looking for talent. They're trying to extend the brand. I think – well, this Australia camp might be a little bit different. I mean, there's – you want to talk about uncovering undiscovered talent. Like – it might be hard to do in America outside of Mississippi, but man, that you could find a dude or 10 in Australia, right? I mean, some of these rugby monsters have got thighs the size of my torso. Uh, and I'm sure some of them are athletic as can be, right? So you're going to go down there and see guys that no other coaching staff in the country has seen. And I would not be surprised if Michigan comes back with a, a player or two from Australia, right? I, I think that camp has has more potential to yield more offers than some of these uh, domestic camps. No, I think so. I think I think what you'll see is Probably a couple kids get offered with the caveat that they need to come to camp 
in Michigan and compete and see what they can do. I mean, we see guys from Nigeria who have very little football experience come over and end up signing at several schools, Florida State, LSU, Auburn have all signed Nigerian guys who, who really haven't played much at all. Uh, we've got a couple ranked in the Rivals 250 this year that I don't even know if they played varsity football, you know, which shows how much we think about their upside and athleticism. I think it's no different than than that. So that that would be the that would be the next one. Could we have one in Africa? Uh, because we've seen such an influx of African players into college football and other sports, could we see a satellite camp in Nigeria? I mean, that would be insane, right? Absolutely. I mean, I'd love to cover it. I mean, I'd love to cover this Australia one. I think that there are a lot of interesting stories to be told there, I'm sure. Uh, I I wonder how many guys they're going to have come out to this thing that have never played football before. What the percentage is going to be from like rugby guys. You know, there's some semblance of football in every country, I'm sure. Well, I think there are going to be, I think it's the Australian rules football players that have, that are going to seamlessly kind of fit in. I mean, I I can't imagine... uh, I mean, we saw uh, Jared Hain, I think because his name, played for the 49ers this year uh, and, did, and did well at times, had, had a few issues with fumbles and stuff like that. But, I mean, he transitioned well to the NFL. This is These are guys that can come in early uh, to Michigan and develop for four years and then go on to the NFL. So I think if they have the athleticism, I think that's what they're going to go look for. They're just going to look for raw athletes. I mean, we saw that guy from Germany get drafted in the draft who didn't even play college football. So... There are players out there. Unfortunately, now all of a sudden, uh, you well, and they're all playing without pads and helmets, right? I mean, don't you already get like, aren't you getting a player already equipped with CTE if you go down yeah. there and get an Australian rules guy? Well, that's a whole that's a whole other topic. But I mean, it, you know, the the whole point of these satellite camps was, oh, we need to give players more opportunities. There is a there is a limited number of scholarships. The same scholarships are issued every year you know, by by the 126 schools or whatever. There's only so many. Now you're seeing you're going to actually, the satellite camps are actually going to provide less scholarships to American players <laughs> because now teams are going international. So, you know, I'd like to get... Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch how like these uh, camp organizers here that whine and whine and whine about the satellite camps taking offers away from their players uh, are going to like the satellite camps when they do start taking offers away from their players and going to rugby beasts, uh that speak with Australian accents. Right, exactly. So that'll be a fun one. That'll be fun to watch. Uh, stick our, our uh, Michigan site, thewolverine.com. Uh, we'll have some coverage. I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they you know, they're going to be spending the entire month of June on the road because Michigan's going to be everywhere. Uh, moving on to a team that, that really popped up for us. This week we did a team breakdown article uh, kind of listing each school in the SEC and who was doing the best at which positions. And, uh, you know, some interesting <laughs> stuff popped up. But then I got to Vanderbilt, and uh, I noticed they have zero commits. And I was worried that maybe our site was malfunctioning <laughs> or something like that. I was like, what is what is wrong here? Vanderbilt's commits aren't showing up. And then I realized they have no commits. I mean, the, the, we're in, you know, I don't know what the date is, May something, the 11th or 12th? Yeah, it's the 11th. Right, as we're recording this. They have zero this. commitments. So, you know, even Derek. Maybe they're saving their. Maybe they're saving their scholarships for their uh, Australian swim. Uh, I don't know, but we, you know, Derek Mason, one of the best interviews that's ever been done on this podcast, got rave reviews. Somehow, uh, just not getting it done in recruiting. I don't know what the holdup is. I talked to some people in Nashville today. I think there are some players that will end up at Vanderbilt that kind of think they're going to go elsewhere, but they're probably not going to get those opportunities. 
uh, how troubling do you think it is from from your perspective and outsider perspective on not having any commits at this point in the process? Well, you know, regardless of what I think of him as a coach, uh, and I've written this and been Vanderbilt fans at the time destroyed me for it, but now I'm sure they're not as angry. Uh, whatever you think of him as a coach, I, James Franklin has proven that it is possible to recruit to Vanderbilt, right? Like he did it as a high enough level uh, to make them very competitive in the SEC. So this is something that can happen. It's not like you can't just completely blame the setting and the academic standards and all of that that we all know go into it. So, uh, you know, there's definitely something gone awry. Uh, you know, I'm not inside that program. I don't know why it's not getting done. But right now with the program as bad as it is in the field, when you add that in with the academic standards – uh, and the fact that you're up against Tennessee and state and a multitude of SEC schools around the region, it becomes difficult. Uh, and if you're not winning and you don't have a ace recruiter or two on staff, selling that program is not – I mean it's not an easy sell. Uh, so maybe their, their sights are too high right now and they're waiting for some of those guys to kind of fall into their lap and that's why no commits at this point. Uh, but I do think it is troubling. I don't think it would be troubling if they were, they were seeing success on the field. But when you, you kind of zoom out and look at the bigger – picture here, uh, it becomes troubling. And I don't know when the clock starts ticking on Mason or how long he has. I, I'm not going to speculate on that because it's not my place. Uh, but it's, it's, I think it is at least a little troubling. Yeah. And they've done a better job, you know, reaching out in the, that Nashville area and getting in on guys early, but they got to push some of these guys to commit. I think what we'll see is they do a lot of evaluations at their camp next month. If you get to July 1st and they have less than five commits, I think that's where you're, if you're a Vanderbilt fan, you start to worry because you should come out of those camp sessions, uh, you know, with guys getting a chance to see your campus, having your coaches be comfortable with them and making the decision. So uh, keep an eye on that. I know the Vanderbilt fans are probably going to be mad at us for talking about this, uh, but it's, you know, it's an issue. And if, if you if you want to know more about, you know, the Derek Mason's recruiting strategy, you can listen to that podcast that, that we did uh, earlier in the year where I had like a 20-minute sit-down with him. And he really, he really went in-depth. So I, I don't think, based on that conversation, he, he figured – Two or three months later, they still wouldn't have any commits, though. <laughs> no, it's definitely not. It's definitely not the blueprint, you know. And you know, I think he's a a, a good guy, and you know, a, a decent football coach. So, you know, I hate to uh, you know tell people to panic. I don't think that's what I'm saying. I don't think it's panic time yet, but I, I think there should be at least a little bit of concern. All right. So, so uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> another another thing worth mentioning: all these schools are coming into Nashville to do satellite camps as well. So. Uh, you're going to see a ton of schools in there trying to, that, that Vanderbilt's going to have to compete with. I think they sh- I think they should be pushing kids. I mean, we've seen schools do it before where Kentucky a couple of years ago pushed all the way to number one at some point, I think, because they had so many commits. Uh, you know, I think these, these schools got to push the kids to get on board, and, and that's where Vanderbilt needs to do. So they got Yeah, they got to get into Australia for sure, confirmed. All right, let's uh, – you and, you and Rob uh, – or excuse me, <laughs> Rob, you and Nick – uh, did the old Texas roundup this week. So let's throw it out to you guys and hear more about our boy Tate Martell and the plenty of other uh, interesting options in, the, in Texas. And now it's a former Texas resident along with a current Texas resident in Nick Kruger uh, for the Texas roundup. Woody was not Texas enough for this portion of the show. He had to boot him. That has to be it, right, Nick? That's right. He only wears a, a three-gallon hat. Meanwhile, you and me still have our 10-gallon ones in the closet. So... 
Yeah, I earned mine, and I don't plan on giving it back. All right, so I guess let's dive right in. Woody and I touched on this a little bit, but I figure we can go a little bit deeper with you on the show here being based in Texas and covering the area for Rivals.com is, you know, the Tate Martell Twitter faux controversy, if you want to call it that. I guess we'll just dive in, first of all, and just kind of give us, you know, what was your take on the situation, and, uh, you know, where do we go from here? Well, you guys did a fantastic job of laying things out, you know, last week and the and the dominoes thereafter with, you know, with all the quarterback changes and stuff. It's funny. I don't know if a lot of people realize that you guys recorded that before any of that stuff even happened. And, uh, you know, and everything just kind of fell into place the way that you guys laid it out. And Adam Gorney uh, wrote a follow up story kind of detailing, you know, all the all the factors that went into into Tate's decision and the fallout thereafter that that was pretty well received and pretty well done. So, you know, I think I I think the reviews as far as Tate's commitment for, or decommitment rather from you know from the fans in the area and people that you know kind of were keeping a close eye on whether or not he was going to stick to the class or not. You know, I I don't think there was a ton of shock honestly with his decommitment. There was there was a little bit of uh, you know there was a little bit of outrage amongst fans that you always see when when high profile kids decommit from a school that they had been committed to, but. Uh, you know, I think the writing was always on the wall in, in the way that you guys had described it. So, um, but really, I think... But where do they go from here, I guess, is the better question is. Now, you know, Woody and I talked a little bit about the Southeast options with Mac Jones and Chase Bryce. What are the Texas options and kind of the options in that area of the country for AM looking to obviously replace Tate Martell, who now is off to other pastures, possibly Oregon, possibly any other number of schools? Where does A&M turn now? Yeah, Matt, Mac Jones, the the name du jour with you guys, huh? I mean, you can't make it. He's the new Demetrius Robertson as far as you well, guys. He, well, he just gets – well, it's because, you know, these quarterbacks decommit and then, you know, Mac just ends up with an offer. So, you know, I don't want to say that Mac is a perpetual backup option, but, man, he's picking up offers from left and right from other things that have gone awry uh, with other schools. Well, you know, we'll we'll have to see where um, you know, we'll have to see how serious Texas A&M gets about what they want to do with the quarterback position because when you look at the type of player that Martell is, obviously, you know, he's not the prototypical stand tall in the pocket type of quarterback. He's the kind of guy that's going to move. He stands very short in the pocket. Stands very short in the pocket and probably more <laughs> similarly to uh similarly uh, relatable to, you know, Kyler Murray in terms of a comparison of a recent quarterback, but you know, when you look at the other guys that are available in Texas, I mean, there's not there's not a, a ton of options because there's guys that are already committed. The guy that we have in the state rankings that's the highest rated quarterback that is uncommitted is Ty Brock uh, out of College Station. So he's right there in Texas A&M's backyard. I'm actually, uh, we're recording on a Wednesday. Tomorrow on Thursday, I'm going to see Ty Brock and his team practice at Texas A&M's uh, indoor facility. So, you know, I know they've come out and watched him throw once already. The fear with Ty is that, you know, he was a former two-sport player that's coming off a knee injury. You know, he's kind of forsaken baseball to focus specifically on football. I think a lot of teams are just kind of waiting to see. With him, it might be a case of they're waiting to see how how he actually looks once live-action football games get underway next season. Uh, you know, I, I, it's too early for me to say, um, whether or not he's, you know, he's deserved of that four-star rating that we had him at. Um, but, you know, I think, but he's definitely a guy that I think is, has the right attitude, can compete and is a, a stabilizing personality, a real even keel kid and has the prototypical quarterback build that you like. He's not going to be the runner that Tate Martell would have been. He's going to be probably closer to the, uh, the Kyle Allen mold of quarterback. If you want to talk sure. about recent. A&M quarterbacks. But then the other two guys that you're looking at as uncommitted in Texas, 
guys like Jalen Gibson and, and Jason Shelley, a couple three-star guys that probably are a little bit more mobile. So I think really what Texas A&M needs to do now at this point with with options kind of dwindling is decide if they're, you know, and a new offensive coordinator at that, you know, to decide if they want to be the the run and gun up and down. We need a guy that can, you know, can run options as well as he can throw. Or if we're just going to go to a more traditional sort of, uh, situation where we just want a guy that you know that can read the field and sling it and, and get the ball to some of those playmaking receivers who they are now one short of with Manny Netherly decommitting shortly after this whole saga so yeah. well you know maybe 2018 will, will go smoother than 2017 has on the recruiting front for Texas A&M and I know that's a point of that you kind of wanted to bring up uh, in the roundup is the 2018 class in Texas is really shaping up to be nice huh Kruger man I love you know I love my 2018 kids here in this state so far and and I've you know, I've had a chance to to see a lot of them at you know various seven on seven events. You know, now that I'm I'm just getting moved into the state permanently, I'll have a chance to see them a lot closer in, in spring practices and that. But you know, when you're looking at guys that uh, have really been picking up offers uh, a lot lately, you start with uh, defensive back Anthony Cook out of the Houston area. He's a cornerback that you know that we saw at our New Orleans camp when we started off the Rivals camp series. Uh, really impressed me there, and has subsequently impressed everybody that's come to see him play in spring. You know, he's just picked up uh, Arizona, LSU, Alabama, Texas A and M in the mix there. You know, when you look, when you, uh, continuing to talk about A and M, they still have uh, a, a couple of defensive backs committed in in the 2017 class, but. You know, when you're looking to build a little momentum on the recruiting front, if they could get a, a commitment from him, that would be huge. Uh, Jalen Green is another defensive back that I believe will be in Kansas City this weekend. Uh, so, so our analyst will, you know, brought the. Yeah, the I'll be there. Yeah, oh, you'll be there. Be sure, be sure to watch Jalen Green. I, he's, yeah, I mean, he stands out. He's a tall dude. Plays. Yeah, I the first time I saw him play, he was out there catching passes. I thought he, I thought he was a wide receiver. I thought he looked great at wide receiver, but you know he's really a guy, uh, really a guy that's picked up a lot of steam at defensive back. Can play safety or cornerback. Uh, has really good coverage skills. He picked up an LSU offer. Michigan, Oklahoma, Arizona in the mix there with him, and he's picked up a lot of uh, a lot of offers recently as well. And then Alston, Alston Orgy is another guy who was at uh, our Dallas camp. A co- uh, Hold on, what's his last name? <laughs> Sorry, that took me off guard. I just wanted to make sure I heard that correctly. I was right, trying to talk quick, so maybe that would slip through the cracks. There. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I might have to double check the pronunciation there, but it's spelled O R J I, which yeah, uh, no, that's for sure orgy confirmed. <laughs> but but he's a linebacker that's you know that's real stout, real strong looking, and you know he he's also. Uh, a lot of those same schools in on him. His his most recent offer comes from TCU. But, uh, you know, Texas, you know, the Longhorns, it's interesting. The Longhorns are a team that aren't in on a lot of these guys early. Uh, and even with some of these 2017 kids that, that have been guys that uh, that are, you know, on the on the, the the front of everybody's mind in terms of you know top tier recruitments. But I think you know when we saw what Texas did at a National Signing Day last year, and they probably think that they can come in and, and make a late sweep or tell guys that to to hold their commitments. Um, you know, it it remains to be seen just how many guys Texas is going to come in and, and and scoop at the end here. You can get away with that if you have a good season. I think that if they have another underwhelming season, six seven wins. Telling guys to hold their commitments to commit to that staff is going to be hard Um, because eventually, you know, it's not like he's coaching at Vanderbilt here. You know, I'm not saying Charlie Strong is on the hot seat because he's not. But eventually, you know, those donors at Texas, of all places, are going to want to return on on what they've got there. (laughs) You know, winning seven games and even winning eight games every year isn't going to be enough for them. 
Uh, so there's going to be some buzz. And I'm not saying he should be fired, but if that buzz sets in, then that becomes difficult to tell guys, hey, wait for your commitments. Because, you know, the longer they wait, you know, they might be committing to a different staff. I wonder, yeah, I really wonder what, what the shakeout's going to be there because obviously they've had some coaching turnover this offseason, brought in a couple of new guys. And I think the assistant coaches that have been on the recruiting trail for Texas have been well received by, by recruits, really like the personalities out there. They've had a couple of real successful uh, junior day events and uh, their spring game got a lot of kids out there that really had a good time. So, you know, I think I, I, if Charlie Strong can say, hey, listen, you know, we're going we're gonna to bring in uh, Bouchel at quarterback. He's a young guy that doesn't have a lot of experience. We've got, we just had a great recruiting class last year. We have guys that we think that we can make a move on this year. We've had some coaching turnover. If he can sell the powers that be that decide his fate, that, you know, there, there is, there is a, a, the sun is coming up on the horizon and it's much sooner than later, but they just have to wait just a little bit longer on some of these, you know, optimistic points that, that there's been a buzz about during the spring and the off season. Uh, you know, it's really going to be interesting to see which team in Texas gets left out in the cold there, whether it's TCU, Baylor, uh, you know, because because a lot of these schools are all in the mix for similar players. And a lot of them are keeping similar timelines in terms of their recruitments of guys in the state. And it's not always, you know, going back to Texas and Charlie Strong, he doesn't have to actually be in trouble for it to hurt recruiting. There just needs to be a perception because recruiting is all perception. And if recruits perceive or read that, hey, this guy is in trouble. Uh, that kind of thinking is going to start to set in, whether it is true or false. And that's when you can start getting in trouble trying to tell kids to hold commitments like they did last year, which really played well for them last year. I just don't know how often you can get away with that if the results on the field aren't there. So it'll be interesting to see if they try to change it up and try to get some commitments earlier, if they're going to go with that same strategy again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll, and, and to your point, we saw, well, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, we, we saw the 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 concern about that with Les Miles when everybody thought that he was going to be fired there during that period. And uh, they managed to, you know, I mean, they managed to salvage an okay class, but I mean, they've been very aggressive and have uh, seemingly got back on track with, you know, where they're, where they usually fall in terms of their recruitment of guys and, and uh, you know, players, you know, optimism and excitement about LSU as a program. I, I think there was a quick turnaround for Les there. I know Charlie doesn't quite have the Charlie doesn't quite maybe have the same uh, cash of of uh, you know support that Les does, but but you know. We'll, but what we'll he does see. have is Texas, and you know, there's always going to be an allure of that emblem and that campus and that tradition and that program. Uh, so no matter what, it's not like you're ever trapped in a position where you have nothing to sell. So you know, mm-hmm. Texas is always going to have those those qualities. So you know, it's always going to be a, a nice you know a nice thing to be able to pitch, and you know, there's never going to be despair in texas where they're the fourth best team in the state i don't think i'll ever see that day come Mm -hmm. all right well i guess moving on you know we've got you know we're we're not very far away from our marquee event at rivals.com where we'll all head out to atlanta and cover the rivals five-star challenge presented by under armor you like how i got that plug in Mm -hmm. uh you know and (laughs) it'll be your first rivals five-star challenge you know away from the video side and full-time as an analyst uh, what are you looking to see from the guys in Texas that have been invited, and who are you excited to get out there and see compete with my southeast, uh, my southeast savages? Well, I'm. Re- <laughs> well, I'll still be shooting plenty of video. Don't get me wrong. I mean, these you know these guys these guys out here in Texas love the videos that I make for them. Thankfully, because you know that's that's what I've been best at here. But I, you know, I mean, I, I've been really I've been really excited with the guys that we've been able to pull from Texas that we've sent invites to and. You know, I think obviously you're talking about the number one player in the country, uh, Marvin Wilson, heading up that group and his teammate Walker Little, who I think is as good as any uh, offensive tackle in the country as well coming out there. 
And then, uh, you know, again, going Anthony Cook, who we mentioned earlier, is going to be there at defensive back as well as four-star Grant Delpit. So there, there's a couple of guys there in the mix. Baron Browning is a guy that I personally, and I don't have a problem saying this, I, I think he, I think he's probably the best uh, a, a candidate for best outside linebacker in the country. And uh, but we'll see, we'll see how he do, how he fares in the seven-on-seven portion. But I really think he's going to be great in coverage. Uh, and is really going to wow, uh, wow you guys, and and probably uh, put a hurting on one of your speedy little southeastern receivers coming across the middle at some point. Yeah, you know, Trevon Grimes isn't so little. Uh, you know, a lot of the, actually, a lot of the guys, a lot of the receivers from Florida this year, actually, Woody has the vertically challenged wide receivers. I, I, my guys in Florida this year are kind of, you know, with Grimes and Robinson are kind of big guys. There's no Sam Bruce to be found around here. That's right. Uh, this year, even, even Jerry Judy is, is, is a big guy. And I'm looking forward to that. And obviously, I'm looking forward to see the linemen from Texas. We don't exactly have a rich pool of offensive and defensive linemen down here in the southeast this year uh, i think woody has some in georgia but you know the florida crop is is pretty limited uh, but you know it's always a fun event you know what's your favorite part of the event i guess i really enjoyed the draft and i love drafting these players and you know we can never release who the number one pick is because nobody wants to know they were the last pick and but you know right. it's fun to all get together in a room uh there might be some adult beverages consumed and we draft these guys like it's like drafting a fantasy football team you actually get to watch play on the field it's it's fun for us I'm not sure if the kids realize, like when we go up to the kids sometimes and be like, hey, you're on my team, like if they all really understand what that means sometimes, you know, <laughs> but but at least in our own heads, like we have a really good time with it. And, and uh, it's good, you know, it's good for the, what's really good is like going back to the fantasy football comparison, you know, when Adam Gorney out on the West Coast you know, drafts drafts a kid from Adam Friedman's region, for for example, and you know we all go, oh brother, and we really, and he has no idea, <laughs> he has no idea if he have to drafted a stinker. Or not. <laughs> but, My favorite but, thing is being able to go on Twitter years later and, and still to this day proclaim that Leonard Fournette was the first ever pick for Team Cassidy. Oh man, oh man. Well, you know, listen, we all have our bright spots. Uh, Fortunately, yours came early. I don't know how many bright spots you had thereafter. You know, me and Woody have a pretty good track Not record, really. though, of, of drafting teams over the past couple of years. Yeah, I won one year. Uh, last year, famously, my team failed to win a single game in the 7-on-7 tournament. It was uh, called by multiple people the worst 7-on-7 team ever constructed in the history of the 5-star challenge. So, you know, I've got one championship of a 7-on-7 and then one just complete disaster where half my wide receivers quit playing. Auburn commit Nate Craig Myers walked off the field and was just done with it. I mean, it was just it was a disaster. Well, it's it's fun, and I'm excited. You know, of course, go figure. You know, the event's going to be in the Georgia Dome in my former hometown of Atlanta. After immediately after I move out of the city, I've got to go right back for for this event. But you know, the it's it's a momentous occasion for everybody involved because the Georgia Dome it's on its last legs out there. It won't be long before that thing is dust in the wind, and and so this is a this is a big a big moment for everybody that's going to be there. Yeah, especially with the lack of championships for that NFL team. It might be, you know, the single greatest event ever held in the building. (laughs) Man, that was a real WWE heel move. (laughs) Sorry, Mike Vick. I don't know who you are. Get out of here. Jim Mora, go to California. Well, man, it's been a a fantastic Texas roundup. You know, if I do say so myself, a giant upgrade over the Woody and Nick team uh, being the Rob and Nick team. We'll try to do this again soon, huh, Nick? All right, man. I, I had a good time. I enjoyed it. All right, welcome back, boy. What a, another trip out to Texas! Actually, Nick and I made the uh, the twenty hour drive from Atlanta to Austin on Friday. Uh, not exactly fun. I, I 
<laughs> I guess like I'll start us off with some some rants and recommendations. I, quick rant. Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama, you guys got to do something about your road quality. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Look, man, that's not really under their I mean, that's a whole political issue. You want to go down that road. Well, listen, <laughs> it's I, not like I they just wanna, snap their fingers and make the roads. I don't want to get I don't want to get too heavy into it. But I mean, at some point, you know, I mean, when I when growing up in Oregon, when they wanted to fix the roads and they didn't have money to do it, they would just pour gravel down and then pour oil on top of it and let the cars essentially turn it into asphalt. Uh, which is a low-cost option. You might want to look into that, Mississippi, because I mean, uh, we were telling a co- we were telling Nick's car on the back of uh, this U-Haul, and we almost lost it several times <laughs> because of uh, uh, the bumpy roads. So uh, that's what I have to complain about. I, I got a good recommendation this week. What do you got uh, on your agenda? Man, I don't really have anything. Um, I, you know, it's it's been a pretty quiet week for me. I haven't really done much. <laughs> I've just kind of been hanging out and working. Like outside of work, I mean, I've got rants and recommendations on top of rants and recommendations when it comes to work stuff, but nobody wants to hear that. So I've got really nothing unless you've All got right. something else. I got a good recommendation this week. I started using a new app called Nuzzle, N-U-Z-Z-E-L. Uh, and, you know, for me, I like to read a lot of stuff off of social media that's recommended by people. Um, and, you know, Twitter kind of has made it harder to find stuff. Uh, because, you know, the, the, the trending topics are more just, you know, about, uh, you know, Beyonce and, and Jay-Z or whatever. <laughs> and the, the moments function is not really a news story. So this app, Nuzzle, what it does is you, you add all your social media accounts to it, and then it ranks stories based on how much they were shared by the people you follow. So, you know, if five people shared a story on, on something, uh, you know, it goes on there. And I actually read a really good story about uh, these these teenagers whose parents turned out to be KGB agents uh, was really like from like like a real life version of the TV show The Americans. Uh, it was a it was from like a Canadian newspaper or something, but I really enjoyed reading it, and I wouldn't have found it without the app. So uh, I highly recommend that it's free. It's in the App Store. Uh, it's Nuzzle, and uh, you know if you enjoy, you know I don't read the newspaper. Uh, the, I'm done with the dying newspaper industry as, as <laughs> that dinosaurs. I do. I do read the newspaper and I don't believe that those people are dinosaurs. No, they're all dinosaurs. They're all dinosaurs and the, uh, they're all dying. So, um, <laughs> confirmed losers. Right, exactly. Yeah, you know, uh, even though I still, I still have a bunch of friends in the dying newspaper industry <laughs> and you and I'll be going back there according to, to several people at some point in our future. So I would recommend that app. It does actually aggregate a bunch of newspaper stories as well. So it's uh, a good way to find news. You know, I know it's hard to add a new app to your lifestyle, but uh, it really pays off for me. So I'll tell you what, before we go, I will point this out. And I pointed this out to you off the air. I just how old I felt when I brought up to Dalvin Cook's little brother, I made a Sopranos reference to him this morning and just deadpanned. Who's Tony Soprano? It's like, oh, and that's not on him. That's on yeah, me that's for being ancient. I should just, it makes me want to walk into the sea. <laughs> well, you were pretty depressed. You did text me. But I mean, you got to figure, when did the Sopranos go off the air? 2005, 2006? Yeah, I mean, he was an infant, right? Yeah. So like, I mean, it's, I get it. I'm not blaming him. And this isn't one of those kids these days don't know anything about anything. This is... I ought to start pricing old folks homes in the, in the near future because it's over, man. It's, it's the end of the line. You know, I don't know. I never watched The Sopranos. So, uh, yeah, but I mean, even if you didn't watch it, most people, or at least of, you know, 
uh, our age and younger, I mean, at least knew the character name, right? Like, I mean, he he might as well have thought he could have thought that you know Adam Friedman was Tony Soprano. Tony Soprano's the guy that covers the Mid Atlantic for Rivals.com. <laughs> well, it's it's really confusing for him growing up in Miami, where Tony Sperano was the head coach of the Dolphins too. So. <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah, maybe he thought it was a typo. <laughs> yeah, you never know what's going on with uh, with our boy James Cook, uh, who by the way is he's bigger than he's taller than both of us, isn't he? He's a, he's a big kid. Yeah, he's a monster. Committed to Florida State. Dalvin Cook's little brother. Uh, he's going to be a real good one. He's already a real good one, and you know he's something you'll be hearing about in the future. All right. So remember, everybody, we need. Uh, we're making a big push here. We got to get those iTunes reviews back going again. Uh, we need some some placement as we try to uh, potentially add some advertisers here to the show sometime soon. I know we're working hard on that. Of course, you can find. Yeah, I'm sure you guys are excited for a break from our voices and hear somebody else pitching you hotels.com or whatever. Oh, hey, hey, hey. Don't start giving away stuff for free, Bob. It's <laughs> valuable. <laughs> You're giving away literally uh, pennies on the dollar here. So uh, find us on social media at Rivals Podcast. You can email us, rivalspodcast at yahoo.com. And, uh, you know, we keep trying to make the show better. We know we've had some audio issues on my end last week, and we're just, uh, we're still, we're still learning. Even though we're almost 25 episodes in, uh, we're still trying to find our way. So if you have any feedback, please send it our way. And, uh, hopefully we're going to try to start doing the show, uh, maybe twice a week. We've got all kinds of things that work. So keep following us, and, uh, we appreciate you listening. And, of course, M. Deuce, play us out. <laughs>